Hey, Jimbo, you ready to do this deal? Bring it. <laughs> Old stories like long lost friends. Rodeos and late night bends. History before our time. Round pens and pasture rides. Cowboys of the Osage. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum, located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. Hey, it's old Cody over here, and as always, I got my main man with me, Mr. Rodeo Historian himself, Jimbo Snively. Good morning, Jimbo. Good to see you. Who do we have today? Hey, good morning to you too, Cody Boy, and it's a great day in Osage. And Cody, we've got one of the great rodeo photographers in the history of rodeo. We've got Mr. Farrell Butler with us today. Took all those great rodeo pictures in the 60s and 70s. We've all seen them. Some of them are just classics, you know, that, that we've seen. And uh, he's a, he was the official photographer for the NFR from 1967 to 1973. That's a big run. That, that's a big run. And uh, he's, in the, he's a member of the Texas Rodeo Cowboys Hall of Fame, the Bull Riding Hall of Fame, probably three or four more that I don't even know about. Just truly one of the great historic figures in, in rodeo history. And uh, we've got him right here on the phone with us today. So, Mr. Butler... Welcome to the Cowboys yeah. of the Osage podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm old. My voice will hold up. Oh, yeah. We can hear you good. You were you were telling me you were born uh, in Oklahoma, but you moved to Mesquite pretty early on. Is that right? Yeah. I was born in uh, uh, Davidson, Oklahoma, down on the southwest corner of the Red River. Then we moved to Burnham and ended up. I ended up, I guess, when I was in high school at uh, Mesquite. Right, right. Well, you were right down there around that uh, Neil Gay and that Mesquite Rodeo. Was it going then, or had it started yet? Yeah, well, I was there a long time before the rodeo started. They had a beast tower on that place. They sold sail barn. They had a sail barn, a little rodeo in and had an amateur deal every Saturday night. And that's what they bought out. They bought out that. That deal cleared, cleared all that off and built a new arena up on the top, up on top of the hill. I see. So that's how that got started. That done in, I think, 57. They got that going. Okay. Huh. But, uh, you know, well, you, you, I used to get, my job was, back then was getting, getting the kids in the shoot. I had a real good job. <laughs> I did that they, before, they, too, Jimbo. I was real good. <laughs> Yeah, five hours a week. I thought I'd never see another poor day. Right. <laughs> Shoot you out. Well, you tried your hand. You rope calves too, didn't you? Yeah, I started roping about 13, but I never had a good horse. And just didn't get to practice that much. You had been practice pins were few and far between, but they charged you $25, or 20, 25 cents a calf. And hell, all I could rope for because had a dollar. <laughs> right. Well, 
I guess four is better than none. Yeah. Well, when I started taking pictures, well, I sold one horse I had, and I sold one that sold the saddle, and I sold everything I had to buy some photography equipment. And that's uh, when I, that's in, that was about the, uh, Lord, what year, uh, about 60 or 61. What inspired you? Yeah. What inspired you to do that, Pearl? Trying to make it. I want to make some money so I can roll. Right. There but it's all the picture got taken, just got thrown out of hand. Yeah. That's where I opened and started taking pictures and I was making money. Did you have somebody, a mentor, that helped you get started? Well, uh, an old boy here at a photography studio, he showed me a lot about it. But when I was rodeoing at the rodeo, I got to meet the Bear Helpers. Right. Now, he's a master. He is a master of rodeo photography. And he helped me. He helped me a lot. He wouldn't want me. Now, he didn't like a lot of people. He wouldn't tell you nothing. But I don't know why. He kind of liked me, but uh, he told me how to do things. And, and, uh, and uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, he inspired me to really go. And I tried, the other thing I took kind of copied him. I could stand beside him at Cheyenne, and I never beat him, but I tied him a few times on the pictures. But he he was a lot older than me. He was an older man then, but oh, he was still quick. Huh. I'll be darned. What did you do when you first started? you just take pictures and then try to sell them after the rodeo, or how did that work? Yeah, I, I started out there in the sheep. And I went, and there I guess a whole year, nearly. Just taking pictures in the street, and I'd print them. Had to have them stuff to print, and I'd print them and sell them for like a dollar and a half a piece. How long did it take you to to make a picture back then? I mean, I know it's more. Well, it was, it was a process. I'd have to go. In, I'd go in one night and have my little dark room out there in the barn, my horse barn, and I had to develop the film. I was using a well, I remember what I used. I guess I used something that was 120 film, big film. And I developed that, and then I had that enlarger I bought after I sold my horse. And I had to print them out there in the barn on an 8 by 10 I had an 8 by 10 set up, boy, I could whoop right through them things. Were you always working out of your barn, or did you upgrade at some point? No, I had that barn. That was a, the whole time. 15 years, whatever, right? Barn was, I, and later on, I bought a, an old, uh, uh, about a nine foot cab over camper, and I had an old boy build a trailer under it. Double axle trailer, that sucker was built stout. And I pulled that while, I pulled it up there to Paul Husker, a, a tripping, went to Cheyenne, pulled it to Cheyenne, I pulled it out there to Pecos, and I pulled it all over the world, but it was a it was a journey. That thing was heavy. Cody, that to me, who would have thought all these great classic pictures that we've seen of Earl Butler were developed in a barn down there in Texas? Yeah. That just makes them even more valuable to me. Or you know, what I did that's what that's what I had set up. I had it. It was actually a feed room. I used to use a feed room when I was, uh, had the horses there, but. I cleaned all that out and cleaned it up and built shelves around there where 
I had a one chef, one deal I made pictures on that. Go over to a wet shed, uh, where the, all the chemicals were. I'd turn them out, I'd print them and throw them in the water to quit the printing. And I'd do about a hundred a night. Wow. Then you'd take them to the next rodeo and sell them, I guess? Oh, yeah. I'd throw them. I had an old Chevrolet panel job. Had a rodeo photo on the fender on the side of that, on, on the door, right the dang thing. <laughs> it says rodeo photo, but feral mesquite patches on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see a picture of that. that thing, this old Chevrolet, about a 52 model. <laughs> I drove that thing, that's how I put a, that's there, a case of oil in it. Every time I stop it, I put another foot of oil in it. <laughs> uh. That's the way my good truck is now, Jimbo. Well, that's the way my lawnmower is right now. I'm in the market for a new lawnmower. <laughs> I got 62. I got a brand new Chevrolet pickup. Boy, I thought I'd never, I could fly on that thing with a six cylinder, but I would go up faster than I could in that old panel one. How much did a new Chevrolet pickup cost in 1962? I'll remember this day, it was $2,500. It was Right off the showroom deal, it, was a, it had everything except automatic transmission, just a six-cylinder, and radio in. Boy, it was a nice truck. Wow. I had two of them, at a 62 and a 63, but boy, when they come out with 65, woo, they put that big engine in that thing. That was a police, police cruiser engine they put in it. Yeah. 352. I can I can run over 100 miles an hour. I think. <laughs> well, you you hit the rodeo trail just like the cowboys. Did you travel with any of the cowboys, or were you just come kind of by yourself? No, See, a lot of people didn't know it. But I worked. I had a job there in Dallas uh, five days a week. Right. Uh, eight, eight to four. Eight to four thirty. What'd you do? For and that? I had to leave. You know, that's why I need that hundred hundred mile an hour truck. To get to the next one before it started. What was your job in Dallas? Well, I, I was an engineering technician for the Dallas Power and Light, the light company. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they sent me to school for three years just to have an associate degree in, in a rectal. And I went out there to Arlington State College then. I was on the radio team. That's what I was going to ask you. When you kind of got your feet on the ground selling these pictures, did you go back to, did you have money to rope then? Uh, a little bit. No, I think I, I think that's what happened. The picture taking got out of hand. I sold my horse. And, yeah, that was, I think that was about 60 or 61. Third on there, I got that new, got that new good and larger. I got a good one. That thing, I hauled it all over the country, and it worked just in there. would buy on me. It was really a good order, but I sold my horse to get that. So I didn't my roping. That's a borrowed one. <laughs> I could borrow a better horse than what I own. You was probably making more money taking pictures than a lot of them cowboys was roping. Oh, yeah. Over the years, it, it wasn't a lot, but it, no. it paid paid what it paid me to uh, traveling that money. It paid me for that and paid my all my chemicals and papers and everything. 
it kind of evened out. It wasn't a lot, but it kind of evened out. Well, I was making a little bit, not much, but making payments on a new truck. That was the main thing. Yep. They had a new truck. Shoot, shoot. About every 15 months, I'd change. Right, right. How many times but, did you upgrade your cameras in your well, career? Well, I, I used a, what they call a Roloflex. It's a German-made camera. And I think I had about four of them things. I'd, I'd use them for a couple of years, but running back to the sheets and hit them sheet, I'd bang them around on that sheet trying to get out of the way. And uh, that kind of took its toll on it. So about every two years, I swapped getting another one. Never would get rid of the ones I had, but I was just getting me a new, another little flex. Back then, you'd get them about oh, 250 I think. Shoot, now I think probably cost $700. Yeah, or more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were, more. Well, that was actually bought a lot of photographers and newspapers. They used them things. That's a, it was better than a, but I thought better than a 30. And then everybody went to 35 millimeter. Right. I did a little bit. I didn't have no, my picture taken was all in the dark at night. And I had to have a flash to do it. Now you get on a, like Cheyenne or Burwell where you're all daylight. Man, I'm like shooting fish in a barrel. You take in 35 and boy, you can run. I didn't have a motor on mine, but I could still take two or three pictures on one ride. Some of my favorite pictures of yours are from that San Angelo roping, both the steer roping oh, and the yeah, bow dogging and the, and the match roping. Well, yeah, that was, they had all kind. that was a heck of a deal. Boy, you talk about people coming out, they filled that place. Yeah. I swear, even back in the early 60s, that thing was full. Right. And that, well, I, was, I think first year I took pictures of it, about 1960 or 61. Right, right. But it was a, boy, that's a heck of a deal. There's a lot of gambling that goes on up there in the crowd there, Jimbo. Oh, yeah. That, oh, Lord. They'd have a Calcutta out there. Like one year they had a Calcutta for that rope for the bulldogging. And, man, they were selling them uh, guys and bulldoggers. I mean, for big money. Winter Combs, he sold for a bunch. <laughs> and Dwight Graham, after his old what Dwight Graham, they said, well, he must have been they were trying to buy your horse. <laughs> they were buying you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What do you remember about those early match ropings between Jim Bob and Dean Oliver? Oh, yeah. Oh, that first one was Jim Bob and Dean Oliver roped. That was something else. And when Dean beat Jim Bob, they knew Del Rio Bank in Idaho. <laughs> I mean, it seemed to bank out on them. <laughs> Rio, because everybody's betting on Jimbo. Oh, yeah. I know it. Wow. I can next year, they, they did it again, but Jimbo, boy, it's all the money coming back to Del Rio. Came back to Del Rio, man. They cleaned out Idaho. <laughs> uh, what made Jimbo so tough down there in those match ropings, Earl? Well, he always had a good horse. Mako, Mako, or something. I had a, had a couple of good horses there. I think one of them was his brother-in-law's. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Bob, them old cattle, man, they were big and stout. Them things weighed about four, 450. They were heavy cattle. And 
I think one year, uh, uh, Dean broke his rope, I believe. One of them did. Right. I mean, him suddenly hit the other rope. Had a lot of cattle. Him kind of horses stopping the whole day and flying. Then back would be two foot, three foot off the ground when they coming back. Right. That's how heavy they were and how stout them horses were. Right. But Jim Bobby, they didn't, uh, Jim Bobby, he wasn't very big, but boy, he was stout. And he could duck under that, he'd go off on the left and he'd duck under that rope and go down and flank them big son of a gun. Right. Huh. Yeah, that'd been something to see, Cody, see Jim Bob and Dean Oliver. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah, he, was, he was something to watch. He was just, he was like a machine. Boy, I'm telling you, he, he try to make the same run every time. Right. I saw uh, Joe Beaver and Fred Whitfield match there a couple times growing up, Jimbo. And then I also saw oh, Cody yeah, Orr and Jim, Fred Whitfield uh, yeah, match Jim growing up. Beaver come in after I way after I quit. Yeah. Because the first time I ever saw him, was, though, he had a indoor arena there in Ennis. And it's probably in February, I think. And Beaver showed up there, him and his running buddy. Oh, yeah, old boy. Down there, South Texas. I can't remember his name. Uh, he went past, still got the record at the NFL for the fastest camp ever time. He was with him. They're both his kids. Cody O. No, he wasn't him. There's a boy lived down there, right, right, pretty close to, uh, to Beavers. Well, I don't know who that be. No, I can't think of that young man. He don't rope anymore. Was he it old, was old Jeff Chapman? No, no, that way for him. He was he was hicker. I didn't, I didn't I didn't see him them kind of guys after I quit, you know, missing that finals. I'd see him on T V or something like that. But I remember Beaver the first time he ever saw him, he comes like I say, he comes from Houston down there by somebody and he was roping there. He's just a kid. But he could show a rope even then. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw him, Farrell, it was at a non-winner steer rope down there at Jimmy Smith's at Denton. And and I'd been reading about him leading the world, you know, this young kid. Never had seen him. And, and there he was. He's kind of pudgy and hair was kind of long. He had an entourage with him, several other old kids. And, and I thought, man, is this the great Joe Beaver I've been reading about? <laughs> he, he didn't look that impressive, but he could show a rope. <laughs> well, I got him. First year he went to that lazy deal, and I think he about halfway messed up his knee on the on the bulldogging. And boy, them guys were chilling on his butt. What in the world are you doing in this damn thing? Because you're going you're gonna win so much money just roping cash. You don't need to be bulldogging and stuff like that. And it was right. He didn't ever do it anymore because he they knew he was going to you know clean up for money. Bill just opened cash, right. and he did. He won a lot of money. Right. You took a lot. You know, go ahead. He, he was uh, he was such a, a good guy. We used to have those old time reunion deals at uh, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, June I would put them on, and she'd get Joe to come up there and talk to everybody, just sit and talk to everybody. And he would he sat there all day just talking to the older guys. No guys, he's seen when he was a kid. He, he was idol of him. He sat there all day talking to everybody. Huh. He was a good guy. 
since you grew uh, was around Mesquite there in the early years, you probably saw those gay boys, Donnie Gay, and them boys grow up. Is that right? Oh yeah, I see them. They're just a little kid and grown up. Yeah, I got a picture of one one they little. I think Donnie was about five years old. I think Pete was around six or seven. And they'd been pestering me all day. They'd ride a boat a steer. And they had a steer that could book. And they, they said, you're going to put it in there and shoot, and I'm going to get on. <laughs> and Neil, Donnie said, I cried all day. You're going to get on that bad, bad steer. <laughs> and he got on him. I got a picture of him. He got about the first jump. He was, he was hanging over there a lot. His eyes were the biggest saucers. <laughs> and Pete, Pete rode his little further. I got a picture and all the all together and said, Mama, Kay kept that picture. She put it in a frame and framed that picture of them two boys. Mommy said, I hate that picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You uh you took a lot of steer roping pictures back in the day. You must have kinda of liked well, taking those steer ropers. Well, yeah, I went to I think Kansas in the in a Forester Lopez. Right. And uh, not San Angelo. Right. And San Angelo Hill in the Forest. I guess I'm the biggest part of it. OS uh, I saw it. The, at the OS roping the out in post. Yeah. Yeah, I went to that, went to that one time. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, he was running that right and he got me to come out there. Yeah, pray through. And I'm going to out there. But boy, that's a heck of a deal. Yeah, you couldn't believe it. Yeah. Huh. What was that roping like? Oh, it was and people hanging from the fences. There'd be people everywhere. And it, it was such a man, that arena was long. He talked about long. That sucker like, looked like Cheyenne. He wasn't as wide, but boy, that thing. And, and uh, wind blowing 90 miles an hour. And they'd, they'd bury a big old steer and cook that sucker. And they had a free barbecue. Hey, Dirk, you had to buy a package of matches. And you couldn't give him a dollar for beer. You had to give him that matches. Package of matches. That's how you got make, got a way of selling beer out there. Must have been a dry county, Jimbo. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, it, it probably was. It, uh, hell, everything, everything out there back in the days, there was no place to sell beer. I mean, you go from Dallas all the way to uh, all the way to the New Mexico border up there on Kitty Seven before you ever found anything. You know, right up until just the last few years, Jimbo at San Angelo with the roping, you have to go buy a ticket and then you trade that ticket for a beer. So I don't know; it might be a dry county too. Yeah, that's that's the same thing. I don't know; it's the same deal. I don't know because that San Angelo is wetter than Southern. That's all. I've seen some. Oh, no. No, it wasn't. They had to go out outside of Hidden Town to buy beer and stuff. That's what it was. Yeah. Huh. See, that was there or Abilene, one of the two. You took a lot of uh, portrait <laughs> pictures of those steer ropers on their horses just outside the arena. I've seen Yeah, that, that, that was part of the. Uh, I was taking a picture for the Rodeo Sports News. Yeah. That's what I took all my pictures for. So I sent them to. I just sent them a bunch of pictures and they mailed me a check, dollar and a half a piece on them. And they wanted them. Yeah, you know, they wanted the guys on their horses. So they put it in the 
something else, you know. And every year at the finals, I'd take a picture of everybody there on their horse. That's some good-looking horses, too. Yeah, those are really classic pictures. I've still mm. got a few of them, you know. I really like them. That would be the only horse that uh, Sonny Davis used to ride. Boy, yeah. he's a big step. Yeah. Took a big horse to pack him. Well, yeah, that big cattle is open. Yeah. Tell the damn cattle they're the star as tall as your horse. Right. What do you remember about Sonny Davis, Farrell? Oh, Sonny, he was my hero. I, I really thought of the world, Sonny. And he was funny. That sucker was funny. And I used to tell him, Davis, they'll find you 10 seconds you drive through the gate because it ain't even fair you you roping you. <laughs> he was wild, wasn't he? He was going to win something. If he won all of it, he's going to win a bunch of it. He was going to get it out of his hand, I'll guarantee you that. He wasn't going to follow him very far. Man, he's a biggie style. He's just a biggie style than steers were. Yeah. Boy, he tied him down. He tied down like a kid. Yeah, he could handle those legs like other people handle a calf. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's a biggie style. He could kick his legs every time like a, like a kid. Like a kid. Yeah, I've seen him do it. Yeah, I've seen him make some 10-second runs. Right. That was jerking them down, hey, like a boom, they just slung them. They can't trip them anymore. It's too wild. Yeah. I got pictures in, I don't know who it was, soccer. Sunny, not Sunny, uh, back in New Mexico. Sunny. Sunny Wright. Yeah, Sunny Wright. I got a picture of him there at Sunny Joe one time. And one of the big steers had jerked his horse, and they never had the steer stand on his head. And all that horse was out on the ground was one foot. And then jerking bait. I've got that picture on my phone. I've showed it to Cody before. That's quite a picture. That one, that son, that boy, boy, they talk about a big stout steer and jerky horse. And that sucker did not fall down. He just had one foot in the ground and he used it. <laughs> and, and Sonny Wright just had a hold of the rope and the bridle rein. Didn't even have a hold of the saddle horn or nothing. He just like, it's nothing to him. That is a wild yeah, picture, Jimbo. Yeah, I know it. Boy, he was a wild man. Yeah, he was. Had them hot top boots. Him and Bill, yeah, him and uh, Harlan, Bill Harlan. Yeah. They wore those hot top boots, didn't they? No, he'd dress up. He'd have a, Bill Harlan had a satin, red satin shirt on, a black hat, them high top boots. Maybe a bandana. He was a crazy kid with a steel over. Yeah. Bill Harlan, he was a good guy, too, for sure. Oh, yeah. That, he was something that was always, he was one of my favorites, him and Sonny Davis, both having Jim Bob always would. Yeah. It was, it was something else. You know, Jimbo, they, I know you know all the history on it, but I just want to remind everybody, there wouldn't even have been the first national final steer open without Wild Bill Harland. Right. He was the main man yeah. behind it out there yeah. in Clayton, New Mexico. Yeah, he couldn't figure out that he was going to be there and, Sonny Davis going to be there, and uh, Jim Bob going to be there, and well, always uh, uh, Reba's baby, uh, Clark McIntyre, Clark is always there. Right. But the one that would come get you was Show Webster. Right. That sucker, he won all around there at Pendleton, I think, four times. Right. They finally just gave him that trophy, didn't they? Yeah, they just. He was, he was just something else. He worked in the events. Yep. But he could rope. 
Y'all had no gray horse you riding. And didn't look like work nothing. That sucker couldn't work a rope. Yep. My favorite horse was, uh, oh, Lord, it was the boy from up there, right, right by y'all. Kelly He's Corbin. Kelly Corbin. He'll fly. He'll fly. He'll fly. He was my, he, he can lay on the rope while he's tying it down. So he's pretty. He'll even stretch. He yeah. was so pretty. Well, he had to keep that rope tied while Kelly was tying him down. He just leaned forward on that rope just a minute. Yeah. He, he and Kelly were pretty photogenic. Kelly always had a white long sleeve shirt on and old he'll fly to lean on that rope. You took several good oh, pictures yeah. of them. Ooh, Kelly. Man, he's he's a good he's a good guy. I still he's still alive there He's one of one of the better guys that I got to know. Yeah. He's a good friend of the museum here and we we talk to him pretty regular. Oh yeah. He, he lives here in Posca now. Yeah, he lives right there somewhere. Yeah, he lives here in Pahuska now. Yeah. Yeah. Is he in Paul Ruska? Yeah. Yeah, sure does. Hey, Jimbo, what's the... Uh, I'm sorry, Farrell. I didn't mean to cut you off, sir. I was just saying we first started that roping out there. That was kind of a little bitty town, but boy, they showed up. People come to that, that shit open. You talking about Pahuska? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Ruska. I'm like, boy... We got twice a year for three times. Yeah, you were here. two years long, and then they moved three years out there to, out to Pecos. Oh, that's terrible out there. That wind blowing 90 miles an hour, and you couldn't see nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pahuska's a steer open town for sure with the Ben Johnson. You never yeah, did come yeah, up yeah. For, the, for the Ben Johnson steer open, did you? The memorial? They, they, no, I never, never did. I never went to, got to go to, to uh, Clem expands pasture open and never got to go to that. Always wanted to, but I talked about half. I quit roping and I didn't have the chambers anymore. And I just heard about them. I showed it all with them. Clem. I really want to go that where Clem had. Right. We well, took a lot of famous bucking horse pictures too. Uh, rough stock. Cody, he took probably the most famous bronc riding picture of all time. Uh, Missouri oh. on on the uh, what was that guy's name? He's riding Jesse James, but I can't remember the guy. Yeah, coming out of the chute, Cody. You ever seen it when he's jumping so high and he's? I mean, he's almost up there in the announcer stand. Oh yeah, yeah that's a great picture. Yeah. That, that boy, he was something else. He, he kind of started out in them Wahoo sales that have up there in Montana or somewhere. That in big sales. And he rode a bunch of them horses. And they finally, I guess, got him a card. And he started coming to the RCA rodeos. But uh, he was a big, raw-boned kid. And uh, Hall Simmons, he had a little trick on that horse. He put a little, little scrap through, the, through his halter. And out the side there, and when he opened the gate, he'd jerk that scrap. And that's what it kind of made that horse jump like he did. Well, a lot of them guys got to see him, man. They see him over that strap, and they couldn't climb away and see if they're going to be a fight. He couldn't put it on everybody because some of them were sure mad about it. That old kid, Benny Lennon, he, he got on that horse, he looked down at the horse, and said, give me your best shot. 
And he did. That's what he did. That's what he did. Straight line. But then he was really the best shot. People still talk about him. One of the prettiest rides they ever seen on that horse. So he, so he made the eight seconds on the horse? No. Huh? Did he make the eight second ride then on the yeah. horse? Yeah. He won it. He won the boat ride. That prettiest ride he ever seen. He had people watching. No longer watching. The boys in the behind the sheets won't normally watch the boat, but they watched that one. How did you get that shot like that? Do you remember? I guess you was tipped off, knew he'd jump like that. Well, yeah, I probably had it. I was in the right position, and uh, he always jumped a little bit. So it just uh, but when when Hoss jerked that strap, man, he went there. And, as long as he's in there, I can get a bit of picture of him. I, I just got that one picture of him. That's all we got. Well, it's a good one. And I didn't even know ahead. I went back to, left there and went back to Springdale. And I got, that's when I had my, uh, I had a camper on that truck. And I, I print, I had windows dark out and everything. I, I'd little thin and print right there in that camper. And I did it there at Springdale. All day, during the day, Springdale, the rodeo was just at night. And I got that all developed. And that's when I seen that picture. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know it was going to be that good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, Hoss, he got he started getting a made sheet and selling them in the grandstand for a long time. <laughs> wow. Did you ever get to take Casey Tibbs? I know he was about done when you started. Did you ever take a picture of yeah, Casey Tibbs? I got, to, I got to be around Casey for about a month. He got a divorce out there in California. He came back to Cheyenne and he just kind of wasn't in the movies or anything. He just went to the rodeo a little bit, just be around the guys all, all in the years. And be around them, just kind of down. And I got one of the best pictures I've ever got of Casey. I got to Cheyenne on that bunk. Yeah. It was a, I can't remember the name of that bunk now, but he was, he was a good horse. He was butt so pretty, and boy, Casey with the, his stirrups, I swear to God, he had to shake his tongue out to reach him. He had the longest stirrups anybody ever seen. But he'd get that front end on a good horse like that. He was a big star back then, but boy, how big would he be today with the TV and the Cowboy Channel and all that yeah, stuff? He was, he was. He was just the first one that really took off. I mean, they really were the people would get pictures, put it in a magazine, like life, that picture, all that stuff of him. Right. But he just a, he was a show. He was a showman. Yeah, he was. He was just a. That's why he went in the news and everything. He's such a showman. Right. But he was a good guy. I got to see him at Cheyenne. I think we left there and went to, went to Burwell. He didn't ride too good at Burwell, I think. He was about halfway. Made it through the whistle. And then I think we left there and he went to Sydney, Iowa. And he was there. The last time I got to see him was at Sydney. But he's he kind of like me. He, he spent all day figuring out things to do for people. He's always putting some, some kind of trick or something. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of stories. Oh, yeah. He was in a little hotel there, a shotgun hotel. And a room on either side, going down the hallway. And Casey had always stayed there. And that old woman run that thing. She said, Casey. You're not bringing no women into this, into this thing in this hotel. He said, okay. Well, I guess he, when he left uh, California, he filled his, his, his uh, 
a suitcase full of bras and panties and everything. <laughs> and every morning he'd lay one out. And she'd come there and just go to work. And she'd put she'd stand up all night watching him get a real moment in the room. <laughs> she'd come in the next morning and she'd throw a fit. <laughs> And he did it every morning. He let something new out there. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same place he was. Yeah. Huh. They, had a, they had a saddle shop there in uh, Sydney. Uh, you know, at the uh, I Sydney. They never knew where we lived. I think Sydney because they had an old saddle in the window. Man, he had that front end with him, the old time he wrap around front end. You couldn't go in front end. You was locked in right there. And I got, he wanted me to take a picture of it. I did. I sent it to uh, the Rodeo Sports News. We had on it the saddle that Guy Weeks and Sean Davis used to win the world. <laughs> <laughs> they put it in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> they went too far with it. Yeah, oh. we see them. I went to his funeral. We come out of living in Bandera then, but there's three of us. Which three went to a guy's funeral. He was such a good guy, and everybody thought the world of him. He'd drive you nuts, but still thought the world of him. Right. Huh. Speaking of a guy at a uh, funeral, uh, what do you remember about Larry Mayhem? Oh, he was. He was a dear friend. I met him. He first cracked out in 1960 or 61. And uh, I don't know. We just got along. He, he was trying to, try to get all the good pictures I could for him because he was using them to try to promote himself. <coughs> but when I was working there in Dallas, he'd fly into Little Field in a commercial airline. He called. He had a number of the dispatcher down at the light company. He called him, tell him that the, he had to, when I got off and pick him up out of the left field to do the rodeo with me. He did that a couple times, and I drive by there ninety miles an hour and slow down just as long as he to jump in, throw the saddle in the back, and get him. Here we go. Hmm. Man, I'd be driving ninety miles an hour, and that man could not pass a pay telephone. He seen a pay fellow on that telephone. You had to slide sideways to get to it. Because he'd, he'd get out there. <laughs> he'd, he'd take a rodeo sports loop and, and he'd call us Rocom Bunch, a bunch of doing it back then, and enter him on page seven. <laughs> That's all he'd tell us. Then he'd pick out the one he wanted to go to. Oh. He was quite an ambassador for rodeo, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was. He was. I mean, him and Sean Davis, they could talk. And and they knew what they was talking about and everything, and they, they promoted rodeo, and they did. He let promoted rodeo, and he did a great job of it. But he was just a good guy all the way. What do you remember about working at the National Finals Rodeo, Earl? Well, the, the first time I was there, Dan Pat Scudder, he was a general manager. And we had aggravated that man to death before he ever got that position. But I don't think I got to, I don't, I mean, I got to 
to 61. I think it's 61. I know I was in Dallas. We didn't get to Oklahoma City until 65. I think that's my first year ahead. We got to Dallas. I had Oklahoma City. That's when Scudder was the general manager. And they were master. I think Clem took over in 67. He took over. 66 or 67. Clem expanded the general manager. Boy, that's a whole different story then. Clem, Clem put that thing together good. Yeah. Did you ever have any close calls in there in that little old building and stuff about getting run over or anything? Yeah. Twice. Pick up man, run over me. I think it's 68. Run over me. They let me pick up me. That's up front. Come back home. Come back, Charles, in the sheets. Try to turn their horses back. And that sucker. He turned around. He did it. Horse's foot. When he was turning on my right foot, broke all the toes on that sucker. Man, my foot was black as it could be. Here I had eight more performances to do, and I could barely walk. Wow. Oh, that old boy from uh, Mossplat. Um, he's a doctor. He's an orthopedic doctor. And, hey, back then, hey, he's about to what everybody could. It tape them up like you do now and all that kind of stuff. I went in there and took my boot off and showed him my foot and said, what should you do for me? He said, let just lift a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I lift it off for a week. <laughs> but Freckles told me, we didn't have any pills or anything. Freckles said, go get you a pill for a Christian brother bandy. And you start drinking on that in the morning while you're doing the pictures and everything. If you get it all the right time the rodeo starts, that foot will not hurt. And it did. I, I, it didn't hurt a bit after that. I get to the rodeo and I can still walk in. Huh. That, that was his cure for pain. Built a Christian brother's bandy. What kind of guy was Freckles Brown? Oh, Freckles was a sweetheart. People fight over him to haul him to the next rodeo. He could start. You left the arena. Freckle start telling this story. If he had to drive a hundred miles, he had to drive five hundred miles. That story would go on until he got where he was going in his arena. But he'd still he'd just he'd keep you awake, just telling stories from all the way wherever you're going. Hmm. But he was such a good guy to be around. I guess he, you were there in '67 when he rode tornado. Yeah, I got the picture of him on. Yeah. Everybody was scared of him. And then nobody, I don't think anybody there thought he could ride, but he'd get in the age where when he hit the ground, he couldn't just jump up and run. He'd go splat. And he couldn't get up. Everybody was there. That sucker would buck him off. And then if he did, that, he would eat her in a tornado. Man, he'd come out of that chute. He was holding a bullet in the back on the pin. Well, he come out and man, he either hook you or run over you and then go out and knock the barrel from across the ring. That's how bad he was. But Jim could walk in a stall with him, just pet him on the head and everything. But then you put him in the shoot his whole different door. But Freckles wrote him, I couldn't believe it. That he wrote that sucker. I got I had two pictures of it. And both of them about alike. But later on when I quit taking pictures, I think he just called me. That freckled wife, he wanted, she wanted a whole bunch of pictures of that. 
Well, I ain't got anywhere to permanently with them, so I sent her the negative. And to this day, they don't know what happened. I've talked to Freckle's daughter. She don't know what happened to it after all that. But she had the original negative. I had one that I kept. It was just a second jump, but they both looked just alike. That had to be pretty exciting, though, to witness that that night, didn't oh, it? Oh, you couldn't believe that had rain had just exploded. Yeah. People screaming and falling on the back of shoes, and people stand up. You see them stand up, and there wasn't a whole lot of people out there. But after, you know, after that ride, and Paul Harvey talked about it for 10 minutes on the radio deal. Yeah. And after that, every, that, that whole two years, 65 and 66, and then you got a lot of people. In 67, that's where they wrote that book. And they talked about it. That, every night, they get more people, more people. My Saturday night is full. Wow. That's when, it, that's when the NFR took off. It was still been there. They were still been there. Benny Billion didn't come in and put all that money up. They couldn't turn it down. Man, he's putting up money. Each, each contestant, or Bulldog or Keith Rubber, they had their own hotel. Didn't cost them a thing. Everything was free. And then uh, he got that big money out there in Oklahoma City. All the first play was about $370 or something like that. We got out there. And then go around start out about three or four thousand dollars, and man, they couldn't turn it down. They didn't make money out there, right? But beauty was the cause of it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, Fred, uh, Red Steagle wrote a song about that ride, that bull. Oh yeah, he he wrote that. I had, a, I had that album one time. Yeah. And so I somebody borrowed and never did get it back, but I had that. I bought that instead. Did you have a favorite event you like to shoot? Well, really, the one I really love shooting was a bull crowd. Mm-hmm. You get them Canadians down here, and boy, you talk about the ride bulls right now. Them Canucks could ride them suckers and jump. Spurred a fumble over the main line there. It drove to the main line. Kenny McLean, people like that. Or Kenny could ride a bronc. He was eating from up there in Canada. But boy, he could, he could, he found, he got, he made the final one during the camp open. Yeah. That's how the that man was. Yeah. But he could ride and you know, there was a bunch of, uh, I can't take it all, all that bunch of wood, but boy, when they, when they come to the rodeo, they're fixing to win something. Right. Oh, uh, Winston, Winston Bruce. Boy, he's a yeah. principal guy. Winston, you know, he quit riding, or he even already took over the category deal. And he didn't want to start bleeding on that good marriage all in Bronx. Nigga, he started all that. Right. And he's that about 20 years, I think. Boy, he quit or died or won. He could ride a bronc so pretty. No effort. Did you ever go to Calgary? <clears throat> no, I never did. I wanted to. And I asked Cajun kids, Cajun, you ever been to Calgary? Yeah. 
One thing wrong with that is another thousand miles north of Cheyenne. And a thousand miles about my limit. Yeah. <laughs> I go to Cheyenne, but I don't think I can make it. Another thousand miles to get to I always want to go to it. They always didn't have it before Cheyenne. Everybody turned back to Cheyenne with all their stores and everything. That, uh, we used to have a that big rodeo right there in Missouri. That uh, when I took a picture of Jesse. Right. There was a lake out there. Everybody stayed out there at the lake. Somebody bought a boat or something, water ski, and spent a week out there just on that lake. Everybody bring their wives and everything. And after that, everybody left and, and they go ahead to Calgary. That that deal in uh, Missouri. But I'll go to Calgary and it all come back to Calgary to Cheyenne. That's pretty good show, wasn't it? Yes. One year, Harry Thompson won that Iron Mountain, that big old Iron statue deal. He won that sucker. He, I took a picture of him and Cheyenne holding, holding that sucker up. It weighed about 100 pounds. <laughs> That cast iron cast deal. Yeah. What was it like there at the rodeo at Cheyenne in the 60s? Yeah. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. That, that sucker goes all day light. Sometimes it rained, sometimes it didn't rain. It just uh, all, had all that good stock there, hair nice and gold and uh, everybody. They all had their, everybody had good horses. I mean, they were. <clears throat> The bulls, they weren't quite like what they got now. What that PBR has done is they bred better bulls than they did cowboys. And kids can't ride them. They need to, they need to start breeding some from Jersey cows so they got some boys to start riding them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what, that to me, killed the PBR. I mean, they about four guys can ride them. Most of them are damn Brazilians. They're starving. They're hungry. Yeah. These other boys, not too many sponsors, are not really hungry like them boys were. They all come over. What's the meanest bull you guys ever saw? Oh, what was it? One, I'm trying to remember. I wanted to hook you. Well, I think it's Howard Harris. He brought one to come out of South Texas, one of them swamp rats. He had about a four-foot rack on him. And, boy, he would hook you and that, put him in the, they stuck him in the bull riding. And uh, I think R.C. got on him the first time at San Angelo. He made the whistle. But uh, he was so mad, he told him, he, Joe Green was the bull riding director, he grabbed uh, Joe all week. Ended up Joe drawing that sucker. <laughs> Joe, RC stayed there two extra days just to make sure he got on him. He said, not take that sucker out of the draw. It's just a fighting bull <laughs> uh, uh, We got Joe a little buckle. Put on our hero or something on him. We gave him that buckle like he got off that buckle. And he, he, when he went in and got on, he carried that thing around for a, he went up for a long time. He was quite a character. He was proud of, he was proud of that book. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Green was quite a character, wasn't he, Farrell? 
Oh, he found me. I said, that was a good guy. Yeah. I love him. He rode bulls. But I guarantee you, the year he won that gold round and the trip in there at Cheyenne, he was more proud of that. He had won the world champion in bull riding. He was so proud of that run. And they went a gold round in the trip. And yeah, made the final. He, he had a good horse. And I think that was the year he made the, they had the trip in there at Bonita. Right. He made he made the trip in that year at the finals. Just on what he won there to Cheyenne. Right. Hmm. Yeah, Joe Boy is a good guy. He got to where he could really rope, though. Pretty yeah. good. Oh, yeah. He could rope. That started. I saw him there at Fort Last time I saw him rope, he was roping there at Fort Worth and the, and the old timers tripping. He was roping in there. And boy, he turned one. He laid that sucker down so pretty and tight, and he was, he was a pretty run. I think he wants something too, because that was not a neat run. I should look up behind him. I t- looked over the saddle. I called him his maiden name. <laughs> Boy, his head flew up. <laughs> his head flew up. He knew somebody that knew, knew him and said that. <laughs> that's, that's the last time I got to talk to him. So he called me by the phone right before he died. All those arenas you ran taking pictures, what's the wildest thing you ever saw take place in a, inside of a rodeo arena, Farrell? The wildest? Yes, sir. The craziest, wildest? Probably me getting run over. <laughs> <laughs> I broke toes on both feet. Broke them on both foot. Got a fractured back, neck, fractured neck. Both wrists wiped out. Got two, both wrists wiped out at the same time. You talk about hard to do, do anything, you get your wrist broke, fractured. You can't do nothing. And I, I got a book up there by Fort Smith. And I took pictures of that night at Fort Smith and I had to drive home with an old three speed transmission. You had to shift. And boy, you talk about a job trying to drive and the hands like that. And you lose your wrist. That was a journey. It took a while to get over that. What caused you to get run over up there, Earl? I was just messing around Jim's shoulders in school, what it was. He had a, had a bunk saddle on a deal. And that Jimbo Balin, Baylor, that made it go, made a rope just go back and forth. I was messing around on a thing. That damn Dennis Ryan had walked up there and kicked the throttle on that thing. It said, and just drove me and didn't have a master's time. It just drove me in the big, the big timber where we landed on. And that's what fractured both of them suckers. Wow. He, I saw Dennis at finals one year, 30 years later. He said, I broke both his wrists one time. He said, Yeah, if it'd been a gun, I had a gun, I'd have shot you right there, too. <laughs> <laughs> You retired, Farrell, kind of early in life. I mean, you were still a young man. You, What caused you to quit photographing when you did? I got a new wife. And every time I'd go to one road, there's some old girl come running up. Boy, I mean, it didn't work to go anymore. I quit. <laughs> yep. Well, she's dead, man. 
I'm by myself again. Yeah, I'm better off by myself than I am as a wife. Well, I you have sure... three boys and first wife, and I'm living up on his. My oldest boy, I'm living on his place out there at uh, Ringo, Oklahoma. Yeah. He got a 20-acre place up there. I still got my trailer I had for 20 years, and I live in it. And, well, I can't hardly walk or get around too good now. I got a walker and all kinds of stuff to help me get around outside, but it's just right for me to uh, wish I didn't have any stairs getting up to the bedroom. Yeah. The thing just good enough that I can I reach my hand and put my hand on something to walk. In a regular house, I couldn't do it. Just have a walker. Yeah. Well, you had to have met a lot, made a lot of friends in rodeo. You got to be proud of that. Oh yeah, we all just like kin folks. I mean, you know, it was like everybody just like kin folks. And I mean, they weren't uh, running to the gym through the rodeo to start working out. They probably worked out at a bar. <laughs> we 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 picked them big old heavy Budweiser bottles up, and that was about the heaviest thing we picked up <laughs> in training. <laughs> Uh, hey, I was on that same training program when I was rodeoing, Jimbo. Yeah, well, I know a lot of people. Uh, uh, yeah. We just had a lot of fun. Back in them days, you wasn't wanting to get mad. Reading them boys can't uh, have a good time because they're making so much money. Yeah. They ain't got time to quit and enjoy what they're doing. They're just putting one to the making another 10000 another 20000 Back in them days, if you won a hundred dollars, you thought you were rich. Yeah, it's serious business now, Jimbo. It seems like. Oh yeah, and it's they way too serious like, for them to have any fun. It seems like. Yeah, and they got sponsors and all that stuff. Oh yeah, they. Oh, we didn't have those sponsors. Nobody wanted to be around us. <laughs> they don't have. We much. may have been there. We may have worked out, calmed everything down, and. Uh, he had sponsors that people wanted to talk to him, and uh, he was such a you know person that just uh, relate to the rodeo. He he could go and talk to anybody, right? I don't, but he got people that understood rodeo. I don't think the guys today have as much fun as Casey Tibbs do. Did do you? No, they don't. I say there's too much money up. They don't have time to have fun. We used to go to one of the rodeo. Wasn't trying to make four or five rodeos at the same time. Everybody stayed at the same place and that uh, worked at one rodeo. If there was one closer to it, they might run over to it. But like Sydney, Iowa, and Burwell, everybody stayed there for a week. Yep. And pretty well, everybody stayed at Cheyenne for the same week. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The old Mayflower Bar burned there at Cheyenne, and that's where they used to go downtown. And it had a wall of this cover rodeo pictures of all the old timers and everything. And that burned down, they lost a lot of history. Oh, yeah. They got an old bar in Pendleton over there, Jimbo. It's called the Rainbow Bar. It's just covered in rodeo pictures all over the walls. It's pretty neat. Really? Downtown. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, that's a heck of a rodeo. Close as I ever got, I went to Napa, Idaho one time. 
weird. Of all people to take with you, I left Coleman, Texas, with Tex Morton and the truck. Marcus Johnson told me, he says, Earl, I'd better take that chimpanzee to Bobby Clark and haul him up there instead of Tex. And he rode away all the way from uh, Coleman, Texas, to Salt Lake City. And then from Salt Lake City, went over to uh, that little rodeo just north there. Uh, can't think the name of it. Uh, Cotton Rosser put it on. And I stayed there a couple of days and Carl and Esther and Fred Greer was going to uh, Napa. But they had one bull to get on. So I jumped in the car and Carl always had some nice fancy truck. He had a big, that was a big Buick, I think. And man, he'd set that sucker on them open places. He'd be sitting on 90 miles an hour just flying that thing. I rode out there with him all the way to Napa. And then he had come up with he'd haul a lot of guys that didn't, didn't ever pay or anything. So he started charging them. Everybody in the car, they had to buy the gas. And he said, my turn, I said, what are you talking about? Much as I hold you, you want to pay, pay for the gas too or all of it? Not just half of it. And we argued about that. Coming back, I got in with another two other guys and come back to Cheyenne. And what about old Pendleton? Were you ever around old Buddy Heaton, Danny? Well, yeah. Uh, I had a few of the rodeos. I didn't see him a lot. Uh, he just had that clown act mostly. That had a horse act and a clown deal. That was a uh, long time I ever saw him. It wasn't very often. Well, Farrell, we sure appreciate you coming on. You got anything else for him, Jimbo? Well, just like you said, thank him for coming on. And man, that was some great stories. And wow. And, uh, just a, a lot of rodeo history there. You know, some of the most iconic pictures out there are Farrell Butler pictures. You know, I've got several on my phone. You know, my uh, picture index on my phone. You know, my, my library, I guess it's called photo library. I get them out all the time. Look at this. Look at this picture. Look at that horse. You know, just stuff like Oh, yeah. That. I'm a big fan of his Facebook page. I scroll through those old pictures all the time, looking at them all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that on my Facebook. That's the last I did. Yeah, I got them on, I think it was about, about 13,000, I believe. Wow. I, that's what I scanned. Oh, that's why I scanned 13,000. And uh, I think I put most of them on the Facebook deal. I put them on CD-ROMs, and the worst thing about that, I, I put them uh, uh, paper stickers on the front of them, uh, kind of label. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. I, I don't know, about 10 years that glue will go through and it'll ruin the CD ROMs. That's what happened. I had a bunch of CD ROMs that I couldn't, I couldn't use them anymore. They didn't shot, and I couldn't get them on Facebook. Wow! But there's a bunch of there's a lot of tripping. All the all my finals, about ten years of tripping in there. Wow. Well, well, maybe they get them off there someday. Yeah. Well, Farrell, I'll let you know when this podcast comes out, and I'll, I'll contact you and 
And uh, okay, well, I'll see if I can get it on my Facebook page. Oh, yeah, you will. You, yeah, you can get it on that <coughs> Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum under the Cowboys of the Old Sage. Yeah, but uh, we really appreciate you. Have you had any more? What is the, who's the old timers you've talked to? Oh, we talked to uh, old and young and Glenn Franklin. And, mm-hmm. Joe oh, Snively really? and Johnny Miller and mm-hmm. Kelly Corbin and Alan Keller. Alan Keller. Oh, killer. <laughs> yeah. Mike McIntyre, <laughs> we've talked to them all. Yeah. Well, Pete, he's a heck of a guy. That's like a, he used to call me all the time. He was a feedlot. He worked feeding them cattle out there, and he'd call me while he was feeding the damn cattle. <laughs> yeah. Who else, sir? Uh, oh, Olin Young, he was a curse of a guy. Wasn't he, though? He was, oh, he was a stand-up guy right there. He sure was. He was one of, him and St. Davis were two of my main heroes when I was a kid. No, ain't nobody said a bad word about Olin. No, no. Sure. That's, that's like he got some good guys on there. Oh, yeah, we've had some great ones. And, and you're right yeah. there amongst them. We really appreciate you. This has actually been one of my favorite ones, Jimbo. Some of the stories he told, just some great stories and the behind the scenes. Did? You did. You did. This has been one of my favorite ones, Farrell. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We've done over 90 of these. We're getting. We're, we're, that, ain't, that ain't half of it. Half of it, the other half I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell me and Jimbo when we get off this deal. <laughs> Well, I'm sure I enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it was our pleasure, Earl. Yes, sir. All I ever hear is shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great. It has truly been great. And uh, I know you're getting, not getting around the best, but if you get up here towards Pahuska, come see the Ben Johnson Museum. I think you might like it. Well, I'd love to see it, but I don't think I'll ever. My 87 years is about gone. Well, just catch up on it on Facebook. I don't have much more I got, but I'll keep it chugging as long as I can. We wish you well. Well, tell all my old-timey friends that still alive, I said hi. We sure will. You'll probably get in a few calls when this yeah, comes you'll out. Yeah, you'll get some phone calls when this podcast comes out. Well, I hope so. Everybody call old Farrell. Check in on him. Yep. <laughs> Well, I don't think they want to do that. Jimbo has the number. <laughs> okay. Sounds good to me. All right. All right, everybody. Be sure to like, share, tell everybody about it. it means a lot to me and Jimbo. We sure appreciate it. And uh, we'll see y'all Thank next you week. All. Thank, Thank you, you Farrell. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Old stories like long lost friends Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage 